Warning, the following content is not politically correct. Viewer discretion is advised. Alright, welcome back to the channel today, everyone. So today, special guest is the keeper of the list of people who need their phones taken away, Siraj Hashim. <laughs> What's going on, Siraj? Welcome. <laughs> You know, the Habibis are never going to let you forget that you butchered my last name, but it's okay. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. It's all good. You know, first time pronouncing it. It's, you got the first name right though. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. But great it's to be on. It's, it's nice to, it's nice <laughs> to finally be on uh, someone's uh, live stream who shares the same initials as me. SH. Yeah. I didn't even realize that, which what's what's your middle what's your middle initial though it's a do you have a oh no i got a j i know so when i i saw when i um you guys were talking about me on your show when eliza mm -hmm. was on um she had mentioned or uh jay was saying because i don't have an h on the end of my name i'm not crazy right but you mentioned i have an h at the beginning of my first yeah my so name. i combined the two <laughs> But the thing about uh, that is, that's I, I why I use this. the J. I use the J on a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, funny story. I what my my gym teacher back in high school mispronounced my first name as Sarah, and so ever since that, and every every time I tell that story, like my my friends from college, they just call me Sarah, and so <laughs> that's that's just Sarah. I don't know what else to say. That that makes sense. And there we go. Um, okay, so well, first of all, I mean, aren't the uh, Habibis going to be mad that you don't have Earn in the shot? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can go grab him right now, but that can. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Well, that's okay. I, I mean, they will. They'll always be mad um, when Ernie's not in the chat. Uh, yeah, and he's not in my lap. In fact, the only draw right now. And I've gotten messages about this is that I really only follow you for my dog, uh, for, for my dog. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, you, <laughs> you got people in the chat right now saying Ern is the only reason I was here. Yeah. Oh, oh, and there's Eliza. So, um, <laughs> there she is. There she is. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the list for a second, because I, I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I think you're doing a great public service. I mean, I appreciate it because the list absolutely comes for everybody. So you want to just explain what the list is and how you came up with the idea for it? Oh man. Uh, so the list is now two years old, which is wild. Even thinking about it It all now, can I curse on here? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, it all started from a ship post. Okay. And that is just something I do uh, on Twitter. And Basically, what happened was this is in the in the December of 2019 during the first Trump impeachment saga. So, the House was looking to impeach Donald, uh, President Trump at the time, and it all stemmed from this Trump whistleblower call or this Trump Ukraine call. Who's on the phone with Vladimir Zelensky, and it was all the discussion about Joe Biden. Joe Biden at the time obviously was running for president, and. Kellyanne Conway, former White House senior advisor. And this all feels like ancient history, but like, uh, you know, like th that's two years ago. This this feels like yeah. it feels like a decade to us because of COVID. Yeah. 
But basically what happened was uh, it was Kellyanne Conway tweeting out something along the lines about how Joe Biden, basically his brain has turned into mush. And her entire caption on her tweet was, we need Ukraine's help to beat this guy. And then George Conway, who is Kellyanne's husband, who is the co-founder of the Lincoln Project, quote tweeted her saying, your boss apparently thought so. To which I said, hold, 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 hold the phone right there. Hold the fuck up. Uh, you, don't, you don't dunk on your wife like that publicly. You just don't do that. And I don't know what their dynamic is, but I was like, buddy, you, you got to give me your phone. So I just you know, created a random like five-person power ranking. George Conway was at the top. He was the number one. I had uh, Donald Trump at number two. I think Charlie Kirk at number three. Seth Mandel, who uh, is one of my... He was one of my colleagues at the Washington Examiner when I was still there. Uh, good guy. And then I was at number five. I was actually on the list for the very first month every day. <laughs> and then as it went along, it's you know started off as a one random post. I was like, all right, I'll keep it going on the next day. And then the next day. And then people started adding more input. I had one of my friends, Jason Russell, saying, add them, you cowards. I was like, okay, I'll start adding them. Because the very first one, I didn't add any of them. And then the next suggestion came from someone saying, expand from five to 10. I was like, all right, we'll do from, we'll do five to 10. And I'll just like keep it in order. And then I'll include, you know, the arrows of where they were the last day. And then of course, uh, you know, as COVID hit, everybody went insane. And I couldn't keep up with doing it every single day and maintain a full job as a commentary video editor and writer at the Washington Examiner. And I left there in March. So I'm now just completely doing the list in the BB Power Hour. Yep. Now, uh, I had to switch from daily to weekly. And so while I'm doing the list stream tonight, you know, the list never sleeps. The list is like, you know, always on Twitter and, and, you know, I got I, I got help from people. It's crazy. It's like built up a community of people who like just like to point and make fun of tweets. And, you know, in all honesty, Sarah, I realized that the whole point of it is to just laugh and mock people's tweets <laughs> of the people. That's true. Specifically the people who don't think they could be made fun of. And that is like severely. Uh, it undermines their authority. And I think I didn't ever really thought about this until somebody kind of illuminated this for me. But the only way you really kind of push back against authority is by mocking them because they hate being made fun of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard it um, gone all the way to the emperor without his clothes. Right. Right. Yeah. That's where it that's, it started way back then, and now it's uh, it's still relevant but, today because it, it gets the point across. Yeah, but you know what's funny is that like during the days of Trump, people would say that the emperor has no clothes and just doesn't care. Like Trump was like one of those people who really just he was they used based obviously as a term to describe people on the right. But before that, it was people who just didn't care what anybody thought about them. Yeah. Trump tr Trump had that, he walked an interesting balance of like caring about what some people said about him, particularly the elite, 
but then also not caring about what anybody else thought about him. It was a very interesting balance to walk. I don't know how he did that. Yeah. I, and it played very well for him because that's what people liked. He was real in a lot of ways. And I think that came across with his times as a celebrity. He didn't care what the media thought of him then either. So you're right. He was very good at just but he did and didn't like he you know i think it almost was like he i don't know if he feigned concern or feigned caring about what the media said about him in order to illustrate a larger point about like how corrupt the corporate media is that's like something yeah. i think i've seen him do uh where it's like he blames victimhood culture but also plays a victim at sometimes it's a very it's it's yeah Kind of well, that's, that's what's really interesting. But what I started noticing, especially probably year two of his presidency, was that he would say something on Twitter or get the media all riled up about what something that he said. And then he would get something done that conservatives didn't like behind the scenes. Like so what? Oh, let me see. I would have to look back. Um, but there was plenty of times where you... Even remember there was was it like I like, mean like the terrace like was it like terrace I mean there was, was something I remember there was the stuff like, really it, hated tariff stuff like that there was a lot of those different types of things that he was kind of doing like half ass and like conservatives wouldn't normally be for these types of things and so he just you could tell like when the media started getting outraged over a tweet he went after somebody here he went after that he was getting stuff done behind the scenes which yeah it was almost like a smoke screen them. yeah so it was like they were playing a game together like they knew but or they were just taking his bait because he knew he needed to get something out there so that he could have diversion tactics over here while he was doing something else yeah i i could see that uh, and and i noticed that quite a bit during the trump arrows that he specifically sent out a tweet knowing how the corporate media and his detractors would react because his, I mean, he's got detractors on both sides. I would actually argue that the neocon establishment Republican base hates Trump more than the left because he took their party from them and yeah. in many ways did their job better than they did. And in fact, there are a lot of people who would argue that, you know, by people making that connection between Trump and Reagan. You can imagine how, how fucking pissed Republicans oh. were to hear oh, yeah. that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I know. I mean, my my family, I grew up in a conservative family, and it was like everybody I knew was like, Trump's not a conservative. What are we doing? But mm -hmm. I'm going to vote for him because, and I like his energy. I like what he's saying. If he gets half this done, then I'll be happy with it, right? Yeah. Um, I was happy with how he what he did with the Supreme Court. And that was the only reason why I was probably happy that Hillary lost was because of the Supreme Court. And oh, I man. think it's a good thing. <laughs> I look, you know, going back on it, I'm very open about this. Like I was a big lib. Uh, even in 2016, I voted for Hillary over Trump. Mm -hmm. um, and it was one of those things where the only reason I did it was I, you know, cause I just started working at the examiner. I thought to myself, well, what could I do? Could I, you know, defend Trump and his policies? I don't know if I could do that. Can I attack Hillary every day? I was like, yes, I can. And then I was like, there we go. <laughs> I was like, and it, but like, that's actually, 
I, I I wasn't really thinking at the time about like sort of the the grander scheme, but there's actually like a professional loser class that exists solely to they vote against their own self interest in a way like they vote against the interests of the country in order to promote their own self interest. And I was like, what, 28, 29 at the time, uh, during the 2016 election, not fully realizing the ramifications of, and now again, I was voting kind of a safe blue state of Virginia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that really didn't matter. And I knew, (laughs) I mean, in 2020, I knew my vote didn't matter. So I just wrote in. So I, I, like, I tried to basically try, I tried to be as objective as I possibly can, but also make it clear that I am very much a biased commentator on politics. So yeah. my views are not driven by a person, but driven by sort of like a central ethos. So yeah, I've had like, you know, 2021 has been a very strange year. I'm sure you can imagine um, even stranger than 2020. And I, I've been, I've been obviously on a personal journey, uh, but the, the the journey I've been on politically has been sort of wandering the wilderness, figuring out exactly what it is that I really value in not just my life, but for everyone's lives. And when you boil it, my ethos, my political ideology and ethos down to like a central point it's that i'm pro-liberty and that helps define everything if the government does something that infringes people's liberties i'm against it if it helps expand their liberties i'm usually for it but of course you know we live in a very gray world it's not like the government does something straight up and like it gives more people freedom they never do something like that no they the government and this is where i've i've been to is the government never does anything that's in the best interest of the people ever yeah i mean um my personal journey was basically one where i went from being a tea party conservative Mm -hmm. to and the only thing that really and that's what kind of turned me off to the two-party system in and of itself is that when we got these people elected they didn't do anything that we wanted them to do People forget Marco Rubio. People forget Marco Rubio rode on the Tea Party conservative way. Ted Cruz. Well, Ted Cruz was. (laughs) Ted Cruz (laughs) and Rand Paul is they're interesting because I feel like they've stayed more true to the Tea Party conservative ideology than virtually anyone else. Other than when Trump was in office, I would agree with you. Uh, Ted Cruz. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing is like Trump. Trump just. (laughs) Trump blew the lid off of the Republican Party. Like he basically exposed the rot that uh, existed in the two party system. So like we got to have that to think, I, you know, and Eliza is going to like, she's going to be like, yes, like I'm going to take credit (laughs) for this. But she put me on to uh, a lot more of Michael Malice's stuff. And I'm just like listening to like sort of the ideology about anarchy and anarcho capitalism. And there's just one thing that like I can't get past, and that's probably something that I don't know if you uh, really thought about, and I don't know if you identify as mm-hmm. an anar- as ancap or as an anarchist. Um, I just assume because you're friends with Eliza, who yeah. it is ancap <laughs> that you might she might have tried to. I'm I'm, I'm leaning there. <laughs> you're leaning there. So one of the things that I you know, and then maybe you could help explain this for me. 
is that sure the state sucks and i can agree with all the pro i can i can agree with a lot of the ancap and anarchists identification of a lot of the problems with the state what i where i start to lose me is that and maybe this is just malice's interpretation of it i'm gonna i gotta talk to him about it is that the constitution by design made the state this way it's not that the constitution is separate in theory like on paper versus in practice you get what i'm yeah. saying like I know it's, it's yeah. man who's corrupt the constitution was a framework for man to follow and it was man who fucked up i.e government so i don't know maybe maybe i don't know if you, what your views are on this you know i think that it's it was an imperfect document that it um it allowed it, it had the front it had the the cracks in it that could be used to grow government um yeah. i.e how amendments are made and stuff like that sure. um i think a lot of people and a lot of people where i come from would be we are constitutionalist um you know first through 15 after right. 15 there's not really much in there that we should have even been looking at because they actually changed the constitution to outlaw like alcohol and stuff like that and there was right. plenty so, of amendments yeah. that didn't go through yeah. but just the amendment process and how we you know changed the constitution it was imperfect in and of itself uh the only thing that i know and maybe there's some stuff in the anti-federalist documents and stuff like that anti but, oh they're um, anti-federalist documents <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah i'm just scratching the surface here I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so um but like it when you really start to read some of the stuff like in in progressives want to just throw this out there with how imperfect the constitution is mm -hmm. because of like slavery and everything at the time when you actually when thomas jefferson specifically wrote um the constitution in a way um to abolish slavery um mm -hmm. he knew it was going to happen um by ending trade overseas of people and so he was mm -hmm. able to um weed that out and it just took you know, it was on its way down from the very beginning of the, of the system. Um, so that's just one of the areas. Now, I would probably get rid of it as well. As Eliza said, she would just abolish the Constitution in the chat. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> where, where I where I lie in my only um, I'm a minarchist. So minarchist. OK, so the only difference between a minarchy minarchist or so minarchy and anarchy is um the only thing that the state would provide is a you know basically a military to protect our borders not to go fight in, in, in foreign wars but to protect our, our borders because what i can't get past is how how we wouldn't live in afghanistan all the time with countries wanting to invade us if we had if we were living in in in, Af in you know ancap land so that's the only other yeah. thing they, we also have it would also be kind of a court system um where you could go and basically if you have vi violations it would almost be like just more of an intermediary between you know you and people to work out you know whatever system you know whatever violation they did against you and your property but everything's based yeah. off private property rights right yeah i i get that i guess i guess maybe what my hang up is is that for some reason, the solution of completely getting rid of the state is 
you know, like, you know, you, you know how like in, in sports teams, they talk about like blowing up the roster and starting from scratch. Like yeah. that seems to be like the anarchist mentality, which, you know, sometimes is, is good, but even if you blow up the roster, you still have the system in place. So maybe it's just like, there are things about our system that have been corrupted by a, well, have been abused or uh, bastardized by a corrupt judiciary, by a corrupt yep. legislative branch and corrupt yep. administrative slash executive branch that only try to reclaim more power. So I don't know how you resolve that, but well, I don't know. Maybe we need to start from Amanda. Scratch. Amanda actually makes a good point, right? So if private companies can figure out rocket science and go into space, we can probably figure everything else out. The issue right now, a lot of it is government subsidies to private industry. And so they're going to do the bidding of the government. If we got rid right. of subsidies, then a lot of that could even be be changed. Who's, but I mean, well. like besides like we the people, like who would really advocate for that with actual well, power? That is that is what's hard. Um, and this is something that where the Constitution, well, and I have to go back and relook at stuff. I also believe that Thomas Jefferson wrote about um, not allowing political parties mm -hmm. because the political system in and of itself is designed to be this. I mean, it, it's designed and it created this system of two parties that um, can't do anything. Now, if we could get a third party out there, which I am a member of the Libertarian Party, mm -hmm. uh, then it would start to balance things out a little bit more and i mean we we won't even get down to you know constitutionalism by the time you know if we if we if we got everything we wanted it would be it would probably be impossible by the time i died to even get constitutionalism but if we can get to that point then we can start working on the the more minutiae details of anarchy versus minarchy versus classically liberal type stuff man I'm just like I'm like entering a whole new world. I just never really even thought possible. <laughs> so, oh, so this kind, this kind of, and, and this, and this conversation kind of goes into what we're seeing right now. I mean, the whole stuff with Joe Man Joe Manchin out there, right? Because yeah. he's, it's being framed as a way that it's one senator and not fifty-one senators that's derailing this process and it's because they think in terms of parties and not in terms of principles and philosophies and the interesting thing about joe manchin is that he is one of the few members of congress senate or the house who actually respects the will of the voter now there was a time when members of congress and members of the senate would go to washington and they would actually vote based on what their constituents, a majority of what their constituents wanted. That doesn't happen anymore. What happens is that no. these particular individuals, these politicians go in and vote what vote on what is in their best yep. self-interest, whatever helps them get reelected, what's best for their fundraising numbers, you know, their talking points, you name it. And it completely ignores the will of the people. And you know, I, again, those are good problems that uh, those are those are like things that anarcho uh, anarchists, I guess now anarchists and uh, and libertarians correctly identify as something that is a major issue. Constitutionalists as well. Yeah. 
it just so happens to be that nobody in Washington actually cares about what voters think. And that this is something that also mm -hmm. like I, another thing about that and, and what I'm seeing from a lot of people on the left is, you know, this idea about like how, you know, like the idea of birthright citizenship and the right yep. to vote and this idea coming kind of festering within the left that we should allow non-citizens to vote. Well, if you allow non-citizens to vote, then that the, well, obviously you, you sort of undermine the entire concept of what yes. citizenship means, because if the if there are benefits that come with being a citizen, why would anyone become an American citizen if you get all the benefits already? You know, why yeah. buy the cow and you get the milk for free? It's, it's the, yeah. the exact same concept. And when you see what happens with how they sort of change the conversation, the left changes the conversation saying, and they frame it in a way that one senator is going against the will of 88 million voters, which by the way, <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about like voting numbers, like, uh, Okay, we really believe 88 million people voted for Joe Biden. I mean, I'm not gonna get on. A, <laughs> I'm not gonna get on like a voter conspiracy wave here, but like, yeah, let's not just, get kicked off YouTube. <laughs> yeah, let's not get kicked off YouTube. But like, like, look at. I mean, just look at yeah, his fucking I, poll numbers. It's it just drives me insane that people th still think that this guy's a popular president. Let alone president at all. Yeah. I mean, he's got a bunch of bunch of handlers at this point. And yeah, yeah. it's. It drives me insane to think that, oh, Joe Manchin, that people are saying Joe Manchin is the president or Kirsten Cinema is the president, which, by the way, Kirsten Cinema doesn't get nearly enough credit for being president, probably because everybody's fucking sexist. But uh, all they talk about is what she remember when so with her, remember when they talked about like how what she was wearing looked great and all this stuff. And now that she's against them, it's like that's yeah. all they comment on is yeah, is her yeah. is her look, her, her look. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's you know, I feel like nobody's more sexist against women than women. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But it with with her, it's interesting as well because again, Joe Manchin, he's a Democrat in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Kristen Sinema is holding John McCain's spot. Mm -hmm. Like she won John McCain's seat, so it's a very purple district. I mean, he was a he was a Rhino Republican that was more center 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 and people don't talk about but... how john mccain was like the single vote I, I mean people don't talk enough about john mccain was basically the single vote <laughs> who stopped the repeal of Obamacare. yeah yeah exactly they don't care and and that was because he was voting with his district his district like i said it's obviously a very central purple district that if she doesn't vote this way all the republicans that voted for her aren't going to vote for her again so yeah yeah, I, it's, you know, it's, it's one of what... the reasons why the Senate has become imperfect as well with the system that we have. Um, yeah. Like you said, because people get to Washington, people people don't spend enough time in their districts. They should. I mean, you know, they don't know their constituents even well enough to understand how they're going to vote. Um, right. And I see this locally because I'm working with um, Angela, Angela, who's running for District 14, which is Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. And oh. she absolutely you I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene knows what her constituents actually want because she ran she ran um, unopposed in the last election. 
So this time she's being opposed by a libertarian. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It should be an interesting election, though. Uh, is is your is uh, Angela registered as a libertarian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like you never. I mean, like you got like this is the thing about libertarians, and like this is what Rand Paul did well is that he ran as a Republican, and yeah. like I, you know, I get it. Some people be like, some libertarians would probably say, you know, it's a cop out. Like libertarians need to get real. Uh, yeah. They need actual visible leaders personalities as much as it sucks to say it they need some they need a cult of personality figure and that's the only way they're going to win elections because unfortunately we in the democracy that we live in again i I think about that there's that one clip of the the like uh islamic imam saying democracy means government of the people by the people for the people but the people are retarded (laughs) (laughs) well it's turned into idiocracy you're right (laughs) yeah so um i don't know if you're advising angela i just say like hey primary primary uh margie taylor green if she wants to have a chance at succeeding that's that's the problem well and i think um well she has a chance of succeeding um if no democrat runs if it's a one-on-one race i think she has a, she has a chance but the game when is rigged against libertarians entirely like name one libertarian who's gotten to the house that, that like even ron paul who many people view well, as like the the king of libertarians was a registered republican yeah um and that's what people also miss too because the only libertarian ever elected to um the house was justin amash but he right. switched he's a republican and then he yeah switched. he also became he became a big leb he dropped the italian well and that's the well he's he's actually now back out there with with libertarian party i met him when i was up in michigan for their um their what is it their convention um mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very disappointed in him and how he had he got Trump derangement syndrome and basically couldn't get anything done at that point. Um, but I think he's he's kind of turning a corner too. Right now, Dave Smith and Spike Cohen are kind of the two figureheads of the Libertarian yeah, Party. Yeah, uh, I've heard a lot about Dave Smith. I don't know him personally. I've never really interacted with him, but everybody tells me good things. And look, if it takes a comedian to change that, you know, turn it around. Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm I welcome it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, well, so, um, I guess look at, I had this to pull up cause it kind of actually went back to what we were talking about and it's obviously list worthy tweet from oh, Bette Miller. Miller. <laughs> so this is, I mean, it just, it just illustrates what they think of, you know, flyover country and, and, and everything because they, they want him to vote against you know what his his part or what his constituents want and this is what we get and then she it was amazing because she she apologized but didn't delete the tweet you want me to read it in my pakistani accent i could do that oh yeah you can yeah let's go <laughs> okay so that midler she tweets what joe mansion who represents a population smaller than brooklyn has done to the rest of america who wants to move forward, not backward. Like his state is horrible. He sold us out. 
He wants us all to be just like his state, West Virginia. Poor, illiterate, strung out. So, Bette Midler. Um, <laughs> look, Bette Midler, another person who got Trump derangement syndrome. I am trying to figure out exactly where she ranks in the top 10 this week. It's one of those things where, you know, the mask comes off. They reveal their true colors. And exactly as you said, this is what they think about flyover country. This yeah. is what they think about middle America. In all honesty, though, that's a lot what a lot of people who aren't even part of the elite think about middle America yeah. and real America. Because they specifically think that their lived experiences don't matter. And when the backlash you're seeing right now against things like, you know, COVID lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, even, you know, sports leagues that are suspending games or canceling yep. them. And, you know, the opposition to like critical race theory in schools, like there's so many different things. And I had this conversation with my wife the other night as we were driving up to D.C. And it, it dawned on me how like how big of a deal you know, sports is to American culture. Like there's so, you know, like Americans are very mm -hmm. social compared to a lot of other cultures. Obviously humans by nature are very social, but Americans in particular, you know, we're very friendly. Uh, we'll take the shirt off our back for you. If you're complete, even if you're a complete stranger, of course we can be very mean to each other as well. I mean, like we have a pretty strong track record of that as well. But we also have a, you know, a lot of us are very generous by nature. And one of, you know, like we live in a melting pot and everybody lives in sort of different pockets within, say, certain cities, certain suburbs or even rural areas. And what unites us are things that actually get us physically all into the same space. So you have, say, things like music concerts, festivals, you have sporting venues and, and events. Uh, I, I mean, literally any single, you know, like county fairs, you name it. That gives people sort of that shared experience that like, hey, I might be Muslim and Sarah, you might be trans woman. But we can if we're both from the same city, we could both share the bond of being like, Fans of like the Atlanta Braves. I'm not. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a Red Sox fan, and you just happen to live in in Georgia. <laughs> so like, I'm just saying like, if we were both Red yeah. Sox fans, like we can take put aside all these differences and just come together. That's what people loved so much about the Olympics, is that yep. the Olympics was a time which you put politics, you put a lot of these things that you know that divide us normally, and you come together for the sake of competition and sport and 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 you know, you have this camaraderie with other people and it's a beautiful thing you have when, in America. And I've noticed that in the last two years since COVID and the lockdowns, they specifically do these things to lock everyone down uh, and deprive Americans who are very social by nature of being social. Put us in isolation. You take away basically everything that makes American culture what it is and essentially use it to destroy american culture you yeah. use public a public health emergency to destroy american culture everybody is now divided everybody hates one another and wants to choke each other out 
over yeah. like the stupidest, pettiest arguments. It's it's it honestly you have you have families who aren't even speaking to each other over dumb bullshit like politics and COVID. Like that is where we've gone yeah. as a society. And I think that was, I mean, that started under Trump, but it's it's continuing under COVID lockdowns and it's just getting worse, it seems. And like you were talking about sports. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, like the, the Olympics were made to protest. Like that would be something that you would never see. Protesting your country at the Olympics like that? Well, it, it's not, I mean, like the protesting has been done before. And I think the, the sort of the injection of politics into sports is specifically designed. I think that was like the first wave. You know, you had the, like the Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem. Like maybe not the very first wave. Cause I, you know, I remember back, I think it was, I wasn't alive at the time, but you see like records of like the, the two um, black track and field athletes uh, who raised the black power fist at the what was mm -hmm. it the 1970 Olympic uh, game true. somewhere yeah something like, or like it was like 68 games something like that and it was you know you look back at that time you think wow that was such a brave thing and you see it happen today and you're like what are what are they doing these are like you know take away the fact that like 50 years ago athletes professional athletes and in in Olympic athletes had like a totally different lifestyle as they do as compared to today. Today they're treated like rock stars. Like they're intentionally dividing people by injecting politics into a thing that yep. is typically not political. And they're mm -hmm. doing it to try to erode the fabric of American culture. Yep. Because there sense. are people within the left who specifically hate American culture. They hate America or the idea of America. And want to destroy it. Yep. Yeah, I, and it's it's like you said, and, and a lot of people would look at COVID and think that was by design. Um, how yeah. that how everything happened, and like, I've I, I more every day. On this channel. <laughs> yeah, please go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to cut. Oh, so I said I've questioned on this channel before, and I have absolutely no facts about it. But I I've told people it would not surprise me one bit if the Chinese government release this virus to because they knew that governments would take on this hyper hyper power grab at this time and it was the easiest way to spread communism throughout the world without going to war well you know there have zero know, there's zero <laughs> like, I have well there's zero. several theories about this i mean there's not it's not like you have zero evidence i mean you have yeah. anthony fauci who worked with the wuhan institute of virology who has yeah, exactly. had emails back and forth with members of that lab not talk that they, they there was discussion about the the gain of function research for you know the sars cov 2 the the coronavirus the back a bunch of back coronaviruses one thing i have to say though and that is when they talk about gain of function that's almost like a misdirection because what are you trying to what type of function are you trying to gain with these viruses yeah. at that point you're just weaponizing them so people yep. really should be saying they're weapon it's it's weaponization not gain of function research weaponization research that's absolutely true and there was the article i mean there's the article and i have it on my phone still from 2015 that talked about yeah. engineering bat viruses with the sars virus to see if they could get it to become human malleable yeah like it's almost <laughs> like all of this was part of the plan that it was yeah. intentional and the lab leak theory as you know more evidence comes out that 
it actually was uh it leaked from a lab <laughs> then the only question becomes was it intentional and deliberate or was it completely by accident yeah. and i don't that, that's honestly that's i don't think true. it's the lab. i don't think it's the latter i just don't if you think uh, about no, how how agenda 21 or uh the the great reset is very real and they needed something like this to be able to get you in com into compliance and because hillary wasn't supposed to lose right they had to speed it hillary up wasn't supposed to lose exactly it was almost like it was a complete you know it was revenge for 2016 because the one thing COVID did is that it gave precedent for all of these state and local governments and even those within the federal government to lock down the country plunge the plunge the world into a recession and take away basically yep. the only blue chip that donald trump had as president which was a strong economy yeah once he did that then people you know people you put people out of work you you put people on and not only for unemployment benefits but for just basic you know stimmies yeah, you then create a culture where people don't actually want to go back to work. You're you're seeing it now. There are so many places where they're trying to hire people, but oh my they're gosh. not getting any. They're not getting any workers applying because why would you work if you're getting paid by the government? Like, oh, exactly. Like, before ugh. before I I respond, actually. So Eliza, again, thank you. Um, we love you too. <laughs> and she also said. Not like a Fed, so thank you. <laughs> but you're right. Um, I was up in Michigan back in July, and I mean, restaurants offering $2,000 signing bonuses to waitress and, and waiters to come and work for them. Um, I traveled from Nashville uh, to Asheville to Raleigh, North Carolina. Same thing. Everywhere we went, there was a sign. We are short-staffed do this, this, and this. So please be patient type stuff. And it's like, you're right. I mean, people don't want to go back to work. It, it, it's amazing. And I, you know, this latest thing happening with, uh, with Omicron, it, like it, it almost see like things happening before they actually do. Right. Like you starting yeah. to see people in some of these major urban hubs, like New York city, Washington, DC, they're all lining up around the block in you know 20 degree weather it's freezing out for hours on end in a line with people to find out yeah. if they have COVID or not where's the yeah. sense in that if you, if you have COVID, <laughs> you'll probably know you have COVID. like god yeah why are, it, and you're and you're gonna stay inside out outside in the cold where you're probably gonna get a, where you're probably gonna get a cold and then you're gonna feel like you have it so then you gotta go get tested again because <laughs> you know, there's that there's that one meme I think of from I'm trying to remember it was the uh, the new edition uh, show that they did. You know, the 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 group new edition as the guy is like yeah. he's like I always think of that image and I think of that you know like you actually can't have COVID if you never test positive for it or if you never even get, get tested for it. All these people probably <laughs> would live in complete you know bliss, never knowing they had COVID. Uh, because they never got tested for it because most of them yeah. at this point with Omicron are asymptomatic. Yeah. Well, and here, well, that's the thing with Omicron is they can't admit the truth because that would mean that the, the, the pandemics, the virus is going away because it's getting weaker. It's kind of what yeah. we want to happen. 
they, and, they have and, to lock us down at least and get one more one more time out of it. Yeah, one more time, and and, and that do not comply. Mo- the slogan motto, like I've been fully radicalized by uh, by COVID yeah. for sure. In fact, every day I become more and more radicalized by it because I see what's happening, and I recognize, hey, I saw that movie before. They're trying to do the same <laughs> shit they did, you know, a year and a half ago. Yeah, uh, don't fall for it. Like it's not like you have a better chance of dying in a car accident than you do from dying of COVID. Just don't take, like people are addicted to fear. They're addicted to fear. They're addicted to the state providing their assistance and being like their, their mommy or daddy telling them that everything's going to be okay. Like, People just need to wake up. There's so many sheep. It drives me absolutely insane. Do, do, do you think it's coincidence that so many people on Capitol Hill tested positive this week, even though they're vaccinated? And then they all had like, the same explanation. Thank God I'm vaccinated because otherwise I'd probably be at, at this point, At this point, they're making an argument that you – they're making a strong argument that it's, that it's not even worth getting vaccinated if you're just going to get COVID anyway. Yeah. If you're going to – if anything's going to work, it's – you know – Talk to people who get like prophylactic monoclonal antibody therapy, Regeneron. Yeah. Like yeah. that that shit works. Like people who've gotten it, it reduces the chances of you getting COVID or contracting COVID or testing positive for COVID by what, 77%? It's more three, four. Yeah, it, more. It, that seems to be the biggest thing. I know everything's come, you know, there's, what was it last year? I can't remember what the name of his off time ahead, but then Ivermectin. Mm-hmm. Um hydroxychloroquine yeah and so these things that we they've tried and they've gone through and it does seem like the uh the monic monic whatever antibodies antibodies, (laughs) yeah yeah it seems like that is probably what's the biggest um you know saver when you get covid it seems like that's when you as soon as you start taking that it's within like 24 to 48 hours or even just getting exposed to it like if you get exposed to it you can go get it and you yeah. never test positive. You just think you might have been exposed to it. You go and get yep. it. And yeah, but how back? I mean, how things. backwards are we? How backwards are we, anyways, right now? Where they supposedly hate corporations, but now the CEO of Pfizer and and um, Moderna are now simply experts on the matter and say that it's going to be five more years. Of course you're going to say that <laughs> yeah, well yeah i mean there's a vested interest in thinking that uh for for these ceos of these big pharmaceutical companies again this is like every consumer problem that you ever have you're never going to make the perfect product because there is a financial incentive on part of these companies to increase their profit yeah. margins by continuing to have that problem exist I'm not saying that, for example, like doctors haven't found a cure to cancer because it keeps oncologists employed. That's not what I'm saying. But there are industries where prolonging the problem helps line their pockets. So completely doing away with the problem will be will be a, basically the end of the line for the, of that gravy train for them. And you almost see it right away when it comes to COVID. You have Pfizer Moderna CEO saying, oh, you're going to need a fourth booster. Oh, you might need a fifth booster or a 69th mm-hmm. booster. Like this is the this, this is the play here. They want people to live in a per- perpetual state of fear 
And they gaslight us into thinking that we're the ones who are insane for pointing out, hey, maybe they're not independent arbiters about COVID and you know, promoting a vaccine because they're the ones who have uh, who have the most to gain from a, even if they're free for the people, they're still getting paid billions of dollars in government contracts. Like this is not like oh, again, this yeah. is not like rocket science. You could tell you you could look this shit up. Just look at I mean, that's that's one of those things about Anthony Fauci alone, right? We have a virus that we can get a a vaccine for within a year. Yeah, but Anthony Fauci was the big big person in the AIDS dilemma in the AIDS crisis too, where we right. can't even get we still don't have a you know a cure or a vaccine for AIDS, and it's been how long? And and it's just really interesting because now they have this drug that costs you know a thousand dollars a pill for for to prevent AIDS, but that's about it. So yeah. It's, it's because really, it's just really like it's just like the issue with uh, uh, ch childhood cancer research. There is not a huge financial incentive for a lot of these big pharmaceutical companies to invest in childhood cancer research because there's not a mm -hmm. huge return on investment. So, unfortunately, yeah. that's where. Yeah. Have you ever you ever listened to uh, Bo Burnham, the comedian? I know of him. I haven't really listened to any of his so, stuff. So it, it was actually a really, it was an off color, because he's an off color comic anyways, but he made it in one of his songs. He said, I think it was Love It. The name of the song is Love Is, so you can go listen to it. But it said, okay. Love is being the, being the creator of the company that makes rape whistles, but then not wanting the rate of rate to decline because even though you started with good intentions, you don't want the rate of rate to rape to decline because you'll see an equal decline in whistle sales. Oh my God. And <laughs> so that's what it kind of feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wow. What a dark thing to insert into a comedy special. Holy shit, <laughs> man. But yeah, that's kind of where we are as a society is that like <laughs> just the financial incentives just far outweigh any any like benefit that the product is supposed to bring. Yeah. Uh, it just man. Oh. So, yeah. That's uh <laughs> I'll, I'll you know, since you're the host there, I'm going to let you pivot on this one. <laughs> okay, so have you seen um Actually, go, keeping with COVID too, um, and go, and kind of tying it back to what we talked about earlier with, you know, even going back talking to Margaret Taylor Green. So apparently now it's come out that she has, she owns stock in three of these different uh, COVID nineteen vaccine manufacturers. Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah. yeah. So all right, yeah, no, like, look, if you own like, stock in these companies as a private citizen, that's perfectly fine. Okay. If you are a elected official, it is most bullshit. It is absolute garbage, Sarah. It is yep. too shitty. You know, the thing is, I, I think about this all the time because people, people think that like, you know, I almost think that this is like a design ploy to keep the attention on lawmakers but not bureaucrats like anthony fauci who can actually benefit not from stock mm -hmm. options but 
can earn more than just a government salary and he's not limited by any particular restrictions so like he can make money on say book sales uh documentary you name it yeah he i mean it, even stocks it's just it, like at this point it's very unethical and it's something that both the left and right and people everywhere in between would agree on is unethical and should change <laughs> but the lawmakers don't want to do anything to change it because they're also benefiting from it too you have nancy pelosi marjorie taylor green uh what was it kelly leffler richard burr yep. all of them you know dumping diane feinstein all of them you know somehow dumping stock before uh shit hit the fan in the spring of 2020 well marjorie taylor well, green you can't really get yeah. in there because well, there, like there's the there is the twitter the or it got suspended from twitter the uh the, uh, the Pelosi Nancy Pelosi's, stock tracker the portfolio tracker yeah yeah i mean it, it, because it makes sense you see it all the time and she's been widely known to be you know insider trading they know i mean that's the thing is if 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 they were in congress and they saw this coming they had time to buy up a lot of stock and because the, yeah. I mean, they, they won't get audited because they're, because they're not running for well, president or whatnot. It also, you know, when those stories broke out, like Richard Burr and Kelly Leffler, but specifically Richard Burr and that the idea that they were somehow told in January in the middle of like a closed door meeting with say the president and other Republican lawmakers and even some Democrats that the stock market is going to tank because of this virus you need to go ahead and call your financial advisor or your your stock broker mm -hmm. right now and get your money out of it because it's going to go down at that point why is their first call to their stock broker and i don't know calling a reporter and telling them holy shit, we have a major crisis on our hands the people need to know about this because if our government doesn't do anything about it you know, ten, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die and more others are going to, you know, go through a mental health crisis, probably, you know, die by suicide or basically have their entire develop, you know, uh, developmental growth stunted, particularly mm -hmm. with kids and turn everybody basically into insular hermits and destroy american culture as we know it and and this is where i get you know i can't put the entire onus on just these lawmakers but it's just a symptom of a giant problem yep it it, it just this is the time where i get blackpilled and i think god there's just nothing that we can do to stop it but <laughs> there is the black pill and the white pill daily switches because you see yeah. something and you hear something and uh let me see we got all right so robbie says so libertarians and conservatives have a lot of common ground let's focus on defeating the crazy and iron out the details later that's true in a lot of ways um i think what a lot of people for, fail to realize is there's also a lot of people that come from the left that are libertarians um that can't get behind a conservative movement so there's a lot of conservatives um but yeah you know a, a liberal uh progressive would say the same thing about libertarians as well yeah it's tough because when it comes to there are just certain issues that the left and right would agree on so say for example when you had these vaccine passports being implemented in new york city you had conservatives and black and members of black lives matter kind of like 
locked arms protesting these restaurants or, or like the city of New York implementing mm-hmm. vaccine mandates and vaccine passport mandates uh, because it negatively impacts everyone, not just certain groups. Like, I don't know how we got into this mindset where only Trump supporters are somehow anti-vax. Yeah, it's crazy because, well, like, for the longest they've, time, they've labeled the definition. The definition of right. anti-vax too is <laughs> right. And like, even if you're skeptical of this particular vaccine, the COVID vaccine, which everybody has a right to be skeptical of. In fact, you should be skeptical of everything the government does. I'm just, I'm perplexed that like the only only people who are really they're trying to create like different classes for you know you have the vaccinated and unvaccinated and then that, you just have you have something happen like this week uh where like every single vaccinated person of some major stature public presence public figure is saying they tested positive for COVID and they were, du- you know, they were double yeah. vaxxed and then got the booster. Well, <laughs> I have yet to get the, I have yet to get the, the, the Rona knock on wood. I mean, like, I'm still amazed. I still haven't gotten it, but I'm sure there are probably times I've been exposed to it or maybe I got it and was asymptomatic. I have no idea, but yeah. that's the thing is like, it, it, it seems like people who, like I, I, there's a there's a tweet that's going to be making the list uh, this week of an individual who is not even like a blue check, not even verified on Twitter, but someone who like you know double masked up, got the face mask, got the you know the the violent like the latex gloves, like basically you know fully you know dressed up like they're going into you know a, a chemical hazard zone or biohazard zone. And they're still getting COVID at this point. Like if you're all wearing masks and you're still getting COVID, maybe masks don't fucking work. Or maybe, yeah, maybe they don't just don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, um, what, um, so I guess we're kind of coming down to the hour and I know you got to still stream the, the list tonight. Right. So. Yeah, I can, I I can stay want, for a couple more minutes, though. Well, I did want to ask you, um, what was the worst reaction that you ever got for putting somebody on the list? Because you said some <laughs> good ones. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I've seen some pretty bad. I've, I've seen some pretty big meltdowns, but the biggest meltdown that I've had uh, happened recently. And it happened uh, by someone who was a family friend um, who decided to burn a bridge with me by uh, doxing. Well, I wouldn't. People will be like, oh, it wasn't truly doxy, but basically exposing my wife um, for the work that she did on election integrity stuff. And that, that was with Jaha Ali. He had the, by far the biggest meltdown. Um, and I wasn't really, look, I wasn't like, I didn't feel like the world had ended because like the information had been out there. It was just he drew the connection that I was married to this particular person. I still am married. Mm-hmm. We're happily married, and I'm very supportive of her, and I'm very proud of her. I am not a George Conway, which is what people <laughs> want me to be. People, no, legit. People want me to like go out there yeah. and say, uh, "My wife is in the wrong. 
uh, my wife is an evil person and I need to shame her and disassociate myself with her because what she did is wrong. Like, no, the most democratic thing you could do is investigate. If, if there aren't people to provide oversight and investigate allegations of voter fraud, we wouldn't have any free and fair elections. I mean, you can make the argument we don't have free and fair elections now. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, the game is already rigged. In many ways, it already is. But even if you don't have the people there to challenge these things, to make to, to shine a spotlight on, you know, massive, malicious even malfeasance within our voting system like then then how can you be so how can people be so sure that we live in a representative democracy or a constitutional republic or or basically a free society where every person's vote is counted and it's not diluted because people cheat in elections and it does happen people do cheat all the time in elections I don't know why I mean like we're literally one election removed from the whole Russia gate do people completely yeah. like? Do people on the left completely forget that? People forget well, they that, forgot like, about yeah. it. They forgot about Georgia, and they for they forgot about Georgia in 2018 too. Right? Yeah, they forgot about Georgia too. It's just you know these are <laughs> things that like that it, it all comes full circle, and you know it kind of reaffirms and and, and sort of continues to motivate me to continue to do what I do because seeing people respond this way almost gives you a sense of like well why are you so insecure about it why like why are you making light of this every single time like you're trying to make me feel bad for simply being married to someone who was doing this or are mm -hmm. you afraid that they're gonna find out there was actual wrongdoing like don't you care about the truth if you cared about the truth then you know people like my wife wouldn't get you know the type of shit that that she yeah. would get versus like Robert Mueller, who, you know, was basically considered a hero among the left for simply investigating the former president. Yeah, exactly. So last thing, um, are you on the list? Well, actually, how many times have you put yourself on the list? So the, for the first month of the list, the list existence. So that was December, 2019. I was on it every single day. So then I held a poll in the beginning of January 2020, and I asked my followers at the time, am I taking up a spot from a more deserving candidate? And they overwhelmingly voted yes. And so what I did from there is that I'm automatically a given on the list. It's like I it's like my jersey oh. was retired, it's hanging up in the rafters. <laughs> and so, like, just by virtue of creating a list of people who need their phones taken away. I myself deserve to be on it because I'm spending so much time making a list of people who need their phones taken away. I gotcha. It's very I mean, metal. You, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think Eliza took your phone a couple couple weeks ago, right, for making a human trafficking joke. Uh, no, people put me on the list all the time, um, <laughs> and yes, I have made some spicy tweets, but almost <laughs> always, as soon as I do that, I put myself on the list. So yeah. I mean that makes sense, but um, that human trafficking joke was good. That was a that was a good dad joke. It was very thoughtful. I mean, you could. I mean, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. It was what it was, and Eliza will definitely think I'm a horrible human being. But then again, so the I, I was. I was. I'm watching in the chat to see her come up, but 
<laughs> she probably got but, sick of me and left. And and so everybody knows. Uh, I'm gonna share this this dandy of a tweet too, just because um, you decided to go 30 minutes later than we were supposed to start today. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Be that right. boomer. Um, this tweet yesterday. What was this? Oh, so <laughs> all right. This is great. Oh man. So. <laughs> All right, let, you gotta read it from Jen Jen Rubin's perspective first, okay? Are you familiar? Are you familiar with the rapper Nelly? Yes, I know. I know the song. <laughs> okay, you know the song. All right. So, it's so Jennifer Rubin tweets out and wait until the White House leaks whatever doc they have from Mansions uh, with his name on it. Woo! It's getting hot in here. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh shit! <laughs> it, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop myself from completing the, the 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 chorus. So hot, so take off all your clothes. Like, I, and and because it was Jennifer Rubin, I had to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's perfect. Like to give people <laughs> specifically, like I almost exist, Sarah. I, I like one thing that really gives me pure joy, and hopefully this will this will do it for you too, is watching my followers suffer from reading my tweets <laughs> it does nothing As brings me to follow you it does <laughs> and nothing brings me greater joy than seeing my followers jump in my replies either trying to put me on the list for a tweet <laughs> i made like intentionally but specifically designed to make them cringe so hard that they're like oh my god why do i follow him <laughs> It's almost like a daily challenge to get them to unfollow and block me. That was, and yeah, I saw that one yesterday, and I, you, the the replies didn't didn't uh, they didn't disappoint either. So no, they don't. <laughs> they never do. And it's become like just like a running, you know, running joke after running joke, Sarah. Where I just like I do something, and everybody thinks the same thing, and it almost always results in like Sarajnis' phone taken away asap. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like right now. <laughs> like right but, now. All right. So, um, yeah. So you are getting ready to go do the list now. Um, you want to plug? Yeah, I'll be rest? doing it in about uh, in about an hour. I, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna get everything together and and uh, um, just do one quick uh, look at everything from this past week because it was a it was a it was a real doozy. I was supposed to do they it last night. Getting better. The last. Three weeks have just been. Actually, last week wasn't too too bad. The week before was no. Crazy. Last week wasn't too bad. It was economics heavy. Um, yeah. You know, a lot on inflation, a lot on Joe Biden, um, basically raising the debt ceiling, basically opening up another yeah. another credit card to pay off our debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but hopefully, you know, like it is always the worst weeks where like the news cycle is just so bad in which the list is like pure gold because of how bad of a week it is yeah yeah yep this week was particularly bad i could say there's a lot going on so there is. all right where uh where can everybody find you at then so i mean there are a lot of different uh, everybody makes fun of me for basically being on every single social media platform so i'll just leave it at this you can follow me on twitter at siraj hashmi and if you want to just follow the list the list has a twitter account too at list comes for all 
I think I put everything in the description of this as well. I put your link tree on there so they can. The link tree has work. everything. It's it's basically like a giant scroll of every single social media platform I've been on that has existed or ever will exist. Yeah, and and so, um, but that's smart. Honestly, being on every platform you can think of is really smart. Um, I was at a convention back in August, maybe, mm -hmm. where Rob Smith. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who Rob Smith is. Name sounds familiar. He's a black gay Republican. Yes, yes, I'm familiar. Yeah. And so he said his goal was to be like J Lo and be everywhere. So that's exactly that 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 sticks. It's it's perfect. You gotta be everywhere. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's come to the point where like for advertising, advertising they have like such an annoying jingle that it gets stuck in your head. As soon as like you stop thinking, you know, as soon as it stops getting stuck in your head, then you actually think about the product. So weird exactly weird brain brain fog <laughs> or mind fog i should say <laughs> all right well i it was it was a pleasure to have you on so thank, thank you so again. much sarah for having me on i really appreciate and, it and i know we talked about and we'll just kind of tell everybody here that i'm going to be on your channel here uh next week on the habibi power hour uh i don't know if it's gonna be soon, next week but sometime in the said, new you year said after the after the house yeah after the new year so yeah, after, we'll do it after the new year. We're, we're still figuring it out because our schedule is good. I've been traveling a lot over the last month. And so once things finally settle down for on both my and Jay's end, we're going to start bringing guests back onto the show. So we'll definitely hit you awesome. up about that. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do that. Um, and for everybody else in the chat that's still watching, make sure you guys click the like and subscribe button below and then go follow me across social media platforms as well. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.